years. Uh, we've really, really appreciated that. One thing that really excites me about serving with a mission like Africa Inland Mission, and there are so many great missions, is every morning we meet together at 9 a.m. with our staff all across Canada. So that means the folks in BC, they're in the prayer meeting at 6 a.m. every morning. And uh, we pray for a number of things, but uh, we receive a monthly sheet like this that lists those who've made inquiries all the way down through those who are now headed to the field or somewhere in their process of their application, whether short-term or full-term. And I'm glad to tell you the month of February, there are 57 names on this sheet of people who are in process sensing God's call to serve him locally and globally in missions. And what excites me even more is the majority of the names on this sheet are individuals and couples who are under the age of 40. And so God is at work in the next generation, raising them up, and we desperately need them because many missionaries will be retiring, just as many pastors and others will be in ministry will be retiring over the next number of years. So God is raising up a next generation to serve him. And it's not just for those who are going to, uh, to preach and plant churches. There's teachers, there's medical people, there's people with hands of skill using their maintenance skills. There are those who are going to look after the children of missionaries so they're parents can be totally focused in the ministry that they are doing. So, so many wonderful opportunities as we serve the Lord. Well, this morning we carry on in our series on the names of God, and a number of folks I know have, have found this very encouraging as we've heard these different messages on these names of God because they speak to us about who our God is. And the passage that we look at this morning in Exodus chapter 17 is a, is a passage I've read many times. I've never preached or taught through this particular passage. But in the, these verses, in Exodus 17, verses 8 to 15, we see another name of God. And it speaks to us of how God works in and through the hearts and lives of his people. And in Exodus 17, we read the story of the Amalekites. Uh, they are coming to attack the children of Israel. And at this point in the history of the children of Israel, they have left the years of slavery in Egypt, and they are making their way towards the promised land. And they have seen God's power at work already many, many times. You read through earlier in the book of Exodus, and as God raises up Moses as the one who will uh, eventually lead his people out of slavery and to the, the border of the promised land, God has been faithful and his power has been demonstrated. Uh, read through, and I remind you, go back into Exodus again in your Old Testament reading and read through how God worked through the plagues and how God used that to eventually see his people freed from slavery. You see God at work in the, the dividing of the Red Sea. When God's people were hungry, what did he do in the wilderness? He provided manna, provided quail, and provided fresh water. And God's power is so clearly demonstrated. And in our story today, as we think about this name of God, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our banner, we again clearly see the power of God being demonstrated. So join me in Exodus chapter 17. And let me read our story to us today. And then we're going to learn four things that come out of this passage specifically related to the Lord our banner. Uh, again, I've never studied this before or been through this in preaching it, so when I studied it, I was excited to discover through reading and other study these four things that are so practical and relevant. They were to the people of Israel when they considered this name, the Lord, our banner, and they are so practical and relevant to us today. 
Don't you praise God that even way back in the Old Testament, the things that are taught, the stories that we read, were not only relevant to his people then, they are so relevant to us today. Because why? Our God is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. So let's read this passage together. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses then built an altar, and he called it the Lord's is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your word again today. Thank you for uh, the word that has come through in our worship, and now the word of God as we have the opportunity to study it together. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. We'd be ready to listen And we would be ready to apply what we hear to our own personal lives. Thank you for all that we have in Christ. Thank you again, Father, just something often we may take for granted, but just the freedom we enjoy in our land today to be able to come together like this and to be able to worship you and to study your word. Guide us by your spirit, we pray. We love you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So four things that we learn as we think of this, the Lord is our banner. And what does that mean to us as we think of this name of God? Number one is this. The Lord, our banner, tells us that God's purposes stand firm. What was God's purpose for his people, for the children of Israel? It was to one day get to the promised land that he had promised hundreds of years before to Abraham. He wanted them to take that land Obviously, slavery was a a time that they were in Egypt, and uh, that meant that time was delayed, but again, all in God's perfect timing for them. And then ultimately for them to be released was God's purpose for them to, to be in the wilderness and making their way to the promised land. And here is this invading army that is coming to threaten the purposes of God. It says to us in our passage that, that they were near Rephidim, at Rephidim. Rephidim was about halfway between where the children of Israel lived in Egypt for all those years and the promised land. So they're halfway through their journey. And this invading army was hindering their safe passage to the land that God had promised. As always, as we read in 1 Samuel 17 and we read the story of David and Goliath, that famous quote, the battle belongs to the Lord. 
The battle belongs to the Lord. See, God's purpose for his children would not be thwarted. Look down again in verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. God is the one who gives the victory, who brings the victory, and God's the one who's celebrated for all the victories. And you know what? That's no different for us today when it comes to the the purposes of God. We see it throughout the scripture. In verse 16, it says, hands were lifted up against the throne of God. Those hands of the Amalekites, this invading army who were thwarting God's people getting to the promised land, thwarting God's purpose, trying to overcome God's purpose for his children. God's purpose prevails. They were lifting up their hands against the throne of God. Listen to what it says in Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11. It says this, The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of his peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. That is our faithful God. We're one of those generations, right? And we've seen the hand of God and the plans of God standing firm. It says in Jeremiah 32, verse 19, Great are your purposes, O God, and mighty are your deeds. And then Isaiah, the prophet, says this in chapter 8, verse 10, Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand, because why? God is with us us no matter what happens the purposes of God will always prevail when I think of the purposes of God he allowed Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the full price for our sin amen praise God for that today and we celebrated that by those who were baptized this morning Satan though wanted him to stay dead he was body was put into the tomb And the massive stone was rolled and guards were put outside that tomb to secure it. See, Satan wanted him dead and then he wanted him to stay dead. Aren't you glad that we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday in just five weeks from today? That the stone was rolled away. I love that song that says he's still rolling stones today. (laughs) You know, he's removing things, right, in in our lives and and removing barriers to to even the work of the gospel. And there are many places where there are barriers, but God is at work in some of those places where the persecution of believers and the church is the most intense of anywhere else in the world. But in those places, the purposes of God will not be thwarted. The gospel is going forward. And people all around the world, and especially in some of those countries where persecution is the greatest, people are coming to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for Resurrection Sunday that we have a living Savior, that the purposes of God were not thwarted as we celebrate the death, burial, and ultimately the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The stone was rolled away. And do you know what? His plans for our lives and his plans for his church will not be thwarted. There's a lot of people, when I think of Africa Inland Mission, a lot of people are leaving Africa for a variety of reasons. 
A lot of times it's to escape poverty in some of those countries. And, and they're coming to North America and South America and Europe primarily. And do you know what God is doing through the mission I serve with as well as other missions? The diaspora, the people who, are, who have, are spreading around the world as African immigrants from all those countries, there are people raised up to serve in those places. Uh, AIM has full-time missionaries serving in major centers in Canada because of the number of African immigrants that are coming to our major cities. And God is using that in an incredible way. They're running summer camps for African children who've never had that opportunity to go like to a camp that I'm sure many of you and me have had the opportunity over the years. And God is at work. You see, his purposes will not be thwarted. And the purpose of the gospel, that we have not only a savior who died for us, not only one who was buried, but one who was raised from the grave. Praise God for the resurrection, because what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? If there's no resurrection, our faith is futile. What we're doing here would be absolutely useless. But praise God, we have a living Savior. Today, if you're with us this morning, whether uh, online or here in the church building, and you've never come to that place of accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today can be a day of salvation for you. I shared this verse from uh, the Isaiah with uh, the men's conference in Isaiah chapter 1. And it says this, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. And the scarlet blood of Christ that was shed on the cross covers your scarlet sin, and it's obliterated. It's gone. You're made white as snow. I know you don't want to think about snow anymore. It's melting. It'll all be gone this week with the warm temperatures and spring on its way. But you know what? That's what God does with our sin. And after I had shared that verse at the men's conference, a gentleman from our church came up to me at lunch on the Saturday at the conference, and he said he had read this story of a couple who were visiting the UK, and they had gone to London, and they were staying at a hotel where they could see the front of Buckingham Palace. And they looked out the, the regular glass windows and they could see the changing of the guard. What color are the uniforms on the guards at Buckingham Palace? They're this bright red, scarlet color. And anyways, that was the color that they were wearing. But there was also in their hotel window, one of the windows was full of stained glass. And they looked through the red portion of the stained glass and they looked out at the changing of the guards and guess what color the uniforms were? They were white. What a beautiful picture of what God has done for us. And so if you're here this morning and you've never come to that place of repentance of your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you. And if we can help you with that today, to come to that place of understanding who Jesus is and what he has done for you on the cross of Calvary and that you can have this Savior and know Beyond a shadow of a doubt today, your sins are forgiven and you have the guarantee of a home in heaven for all eternity. That would be our incredible joy and privilege. So the Lord, our banner, tells us and reminds us that God's purposes will prevail. Number two, the Lord, our banner, tells us that God's presence is with us in every trial. Again, we see this in our passage. We see God's presence with his people. Primarily, we see it symbolic through the staff that was in the hands of Moses. 
If you remember when God first spoke to Moses at the burning bush about about leading his people out of captivity in Egypt, that Moses had his staff in his hand. And Moses is saying, "Why why will Pharaoh listen to me? Why will even your children listen to me? And what does God say to Moses? Take that staff and throw it on the ground. What happened to the staff when he threw it on the ground? It became a snake. And then God says, pick it up. And what happened? It became a staff again. And you see that staff being used in in different ways. Uh, Again, the snake on the ground, uh, turning the Nile River into blood. God said to, to, to Moses, take that staff and touch the Nile River. And one of the 10 plagues was the water all became blood. And then even with the parting of the Red Sea, it talks about his hands were stretched out. The staff would have been in his hand and the Red Sea parted. Wouldn't that have been incredible as a child with your parents or your grandparents to walk through the Red Sea? A wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. That's what God did. And he made it dry ground for the children of Israel. And they walked through. Of course, the Egyptian army was pursuing them. And so when they got to the other side and the Egyptian army then came in between those walls of water, what did Moses do under God's direction? took his staff again, stretched out his hands. And I love what it says in the Bible, makes it so clear. It says the Egyptians had difficulty driving their chariots. Why? Because their wheels fell off. Yeah, I think that would be difficult for anybody. (laughs) God caused their wheels to fall off. And then as soon as Moses again stretches out his hands with that staff, the wall of water came in and all the Egyptians who were in there were destroyed. Talk about the power of God and and the presence of God symbolic in that staff. And here we see again the symbolism of that staff. Whenever Moses had his hands lifted up with his staff in the staff of God in his hand, what happened? The Israelites were winning the battle. As soon as his hands went down, (laughs) they were losing the battle. So what does God do? Well, he provides Aaron and Hur who were up on the hilltop with him to lift up his hands. And they fought all day. And God gave the victory. And God also gave him a big rock for him to sit on. (laughs) To be able to sit down. And again, I can just picture these two men holding up the hands of Moses. And God bringing the victory. See, God is always with us. And he's with you in every trial that you go through. Aren't you glad for that this morning? You don't go through it alone. God is with us through the the trials and the battles of our lives. And that picture of God, our banner, just reminds us of God's presence with us, always. Philippians 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. I can do all things, including trials, because of his strength. One translation says this, I can do all things through Christ who literally keeps on pouring his strength into me. And that's what God does for us in the midst of those trials. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, those difficult times in your life, I will be with you. Hebrews 13 verse 5, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And then I love Romans 8 verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then you read on in Romans 8, 35 to 39, where it says, who shall separate us from the love of God? 
Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than victorious through Christ who loved us. And Paul goes on to say this, for I am persuaded, absolutely convinced, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, neither height nor depth, and then just in case he hasn't covered it all, he says, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's presence is with us always. And I just encourage you as you go out from day to day and live your life and do what you do from day to day, just be reminded of God's presence. He is with us always. He will never leave us, never forsake us. And especially as you go through those times of trial, be reminded that the Lord, your banner, your protector is your presence as well. God is with you. Number three, the Lord, our banner, tells us that God's provision sustains us. What did God provide to sustain his people in our study, specifically the army that went out to fight under Joshua's leadership? Well, God provided men to lead them into battle. There was Joshua the leader of the army at that point in time in the history of Israel. There was Moses, there's Aaron, there's Hur. God provided men to lead them into the battle. You know, that just reminds me again of how important it is for those who serve in leadership in God's church. They are there for us. Our elders are there for us. And they take seriously in our church their responsibility, as it says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, to be shepherds of God's flock that is under their care. And we are under their care. And they are there for us. And God provides leaders in his church. God also provided the strength and support that Moses needed. You know what? Sometimes we all need our hands held up because there's times we grow tired. <laughs> especially in the midst of trials in our lives, we get tired. And what does God do? He provides others to come alongside, to, to help hold up our hands. You know, that's the value of the body of Christ, the local church. One of the beautiful metaphors of the local church is we are the body of Christ. And you read through the New Testament and, and you read all the one another's of the scripture. It makes an excellent study. We, we are told to love one another, encourage one another, comfort one another when we're going through difficulties. Build one another up in our faith. Speak to one another. Do you know how we're supposed to speak to one another? With psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We, we can sing to one another. Some people say, I don't want to listen to Godfrey sing to me. I'll just use words instead. But we can, that's what we do for one another. I think one thing that's vital for us as a people to do in the local church as God has given us these men to give us leadership is at times they need their hands held up as well. And so don't be afraid to come alongside one of our elders. You can see them all on our website if you don't know who they are. And just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Send them an email. Or just go up, encourage them personally and just let them know that they, you appreciate what they are doing. Because you know what? Leaders need their hands held up. Moses needed his hands held up. He was older. He grew tired. Could you imagine being all day sitting on a hilltop holding up your hands? <laughs> you know, praise God. Again, he provided others to come alongside. And that's what God does in his church. 
And so pray for those that are our elders. I've been in churches for a number of years and had the opportunity for 25 of those years serving as an assistant or associate pastor. One thing I learned early on from the, the older gentleman who I was an intern with for two years, starting out in ministry, I just realized, you know what? This man is so passionate for God and for his church that when you're serving on staff, sometimes you just need to help hold up, in our context, senior pastor's hands and just be available to come alongside to support and encourage. I read this recently. The Lord is our banner in that he is the one under whom we unite. That's whom the one under whom we rally together. And the Bible talks to us in the New Testament about the unity of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we say we need to pray for unity. No, we don't need to pray for unity. We need to pray that we will maintain the unity of the Spirit that's already been given to the church. And that, that is told us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 3. God's already given unity of the Spirit to his church. We have to do our part to maintain the unity of the Spirit. I can tell you this, nothing kills the momentum of a growing church more than grumbling and complaining. Now, that doesn't mean you can't share your concerns. But it does mean, as we maintain the unity of the Spirit, is when we share those concerns in the right way, with the right people, and with the right attitude. If we do it the wrong way, it can very quickly cause disunity in the life of a growing church. I love this quote. It says this, A banner is something that identifies and unifies a particular group of people. A military flag, or what's also called a standard, may also be called a banner. This name of God, when used here by the Israelites, was a way of identifying themselves as a unified followers of God. A banner or a flag or a standard also functions as a rallying point for troops in a battle. The altar that Moses built in Exodus 17 marked the place where God intervened on behalf of his people. And he promised to utterly destroy and defeat his enemies. Uh, Read again verses 15 and 16. Moses then built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. That altar provided the opportunity for for people to remember what God had done. And it's good for us to have those symbols, those things that we have maybe even in our own homes that remind us of what God has done on our behalf and how God in his provision has sustained us through difficult times. When I think of a banner or a standard with the military being a a rallying point, the picture of of coming together to face the battle rather than alone but with others, I'm reminded that our rallying point as the church, what what brings us together is the gospel. We're, We're united because our lives have been changed by the Holy Spirit as we've responded to the message of the gospel. But then our rallying point of the church is then the clear proclamation of the gospel. And the church is many wonderful things, but ultimately God has raised up the church to be the hope for the lost world. We're not here for ourselves, folks. If we're here for ourselves, that's the wrong attitude. Do we get a lot out of it and a lot of benefits from the church? Absolutely. But we're ultimately here because of the sake of the gospel. It's changed our lives 
And then we have the privilege of rallying together around the life-giving, life-changing message of the gospel that we can then take out from this place. One thing that excites me about our opportunity to move towards two services in the fall, that change, and I know change can be challenging, and hopefully we will navigate it well. I know that's the heart of our elders is to help us navigate the change well. But what that will allow us to do is to start inviting others to join us in church. Because for the most part, we haven't been able to do that for a while. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to say, hey, all of you next Sunday, bring a friend to church. I remember being in churches and we used to have these bring a friend Sundays where we would just encourage people. You know, you should be doing it regularly, but let's all work together and at least do some inviting. And a lot of friends came to church on those Sundays. We can't do that because we have limitations. Yes, there are some spaces in the pews today and you can always put more chairs in the gym, but the problem is the last two weeks, our parking lot, a week ago Sunday, it was full. There was no spaces left. Ryan, who was baptized this morning, sends me an update (laughs) every Monday or Tuesday about how many spaces were left. Last week, he said somewhere between five and seven spaces. Our children's rooms are packed. So yeah, let's invite people, but the problem is we got nowhere for them. And so two services will allow for that. Why? Because we rally around the gospel. And it'll be our opportunity to invite others to come and join us so they can hear the message that we have responded to. Number four, the Lord is our banner, tells us that God's protection brings us victory. God's purposes stands firm. God's presence is with us in every trial. God's provision sustains us. And then ultimately, God's protection brings us victory. See, when Moses' hands and staff and the staff of God were raised, there was victory. God's protection was demonstrated again by that staff, not only God's presence, but also God's protection. And when it was lifted up, God brought the victory. I think of, again, what it says in verse number 13. Let me read it again. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And yes, God used uh, the hands of skill of the military to, to overcome, and God's the one who gave them those hands of skill in order to be able to fight. But ultimately, it was God's protection that brought victory for the children of Israel. And that's the same for us today. You know, when I think of raising our hands, <laughs> you know, I picture Moses up on that hill, raising his hands towards the Lord. That's beautiful worship. And some are more comfortable in doing it in worship than others. I have no problem with that. But isn't incredible freedom just to know that we can worship our God and we can raise our hands and just celebrate and be reminded of this amazing God and all that he has done for us and the protection that he provides for us. And God, in a wonderful way for us as New Testament believers in the church, has provided for our protection two ways that come to mind. Number one is the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Listen to what God has provided for you and for me. Ephesians 6 verse 13. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. You've heard the phrase, opportunity knocks once. Well, I can tell you, temptation just keeps on knocking. (laughs) It's not going away anytime soon. And Satan absolutely hates you as a follower of Jesus and he will keep bringing temptation in front of you. But praise God, he's provided for our protection, the full armor of God, so that we can take our stand 
And then, as it says in 2 Peter 1, 3, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Isn't that a great verse to know? Everything you need to live your life every day as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ has been provided for you. The word power there, same word that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 3, 10 and 11, where he says, I want to know the power of the resurrection. It literally means the ability to overcome resistance. That's what God's given us. And it happened the moment we came to Christ, God the Holy Spirit lives within us and we have his power to overcome. We have God's divine power giving us everything we need to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. Power there is where we derive our English word for dynamite. It's the ability to overcome resistance. And dynamite is used to remove that which is resisting. Maybe a new road going through the mountains. (laughs) or a new stadium being built. Dynamite removes what's resisting, and then that new road or that new stadium can be built. And that's what God has provided for you. I love what it says when Jesus says, greater is he who is where? Who is in you than he who is in the world. God's protection brings us victory. So with God as our banner, We see God's purposes prevail. We know God's presence in the midst of every trial in our lives. We see that God's provision will sustain us. And God's protection brings us victory. And with God as our banner, three things that I heard a pastor share a number of years ago, and these have stuck with me. Take these with you this morning. With God as our banner, we are saved from the penalty of sin. So the moment you came to Christ, you were saved from the penalty of sin. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the full penalty for your sin when he died on the cross. Number two, we are saved from the power of sin every day. We still live in this fallen world. Temptation will keep coming in front of us. But with God as our banner, we're saved from the power of sin. And then one day, we will be saved from the presence of sin. Right now, we still live in the presence of sin. But one day, in eternity... There'll be no more sin. Wouldn't it be great to have no more temptation? Keeps knocking on the door of your heart. No, you will one day save from the presence of sin. Praise God. God, our banner. All that God has done for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word again today. Thank you for this amazing story of, of so many amazing stories that we, that we read throughout the scriptures. And Lord, to realize again the, the very character of you as our God, that you are our banner and what you provide for us. And Lord, we praise you today for your presence, for your protection, your provision. And thank you for your purposes that will prevail. And Lord, we are on the winning side. Ours is the victory. And no matter what we are facing, and brothers and sisters here today, I'm sure, Lord, some are facing some extremely difficult circumstances and trials in their lives. Father, may they again know that you are their banner, that you are with them through those trials, and that you will be the one who provides the victory. Thank you for this time. We love you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. With those words in mind this morning from Exodus chapter 17, I just encourage you, 
Would you stand and as the worship team leads us in this closing medley of songs that you would just sing this out from your heart as praise and adoration. If you're comfortable, lift your hands to the Lord and just in worship and celebration of him this morning.